as I mentioned earlier uh, at the conclusion of the worship section of this morning service. We're going to be in the book of Jude this morning. And as you can tell by looking at the screen, we are going to be talking about specifically detecting false teachers and then defending the faith. Detecting false teachers and then defending the faith. As I was preparing for this, I really wanted to start with an illustration about like just all of the ways that we train people to recognize counterfeit money. Many of you know I worked for a long time in the banking industry, and there are things that, that we teach as in order to detect counterfeit money. And then I wanted to draw the conclusion just or an analogy between that process and how you can detect false teaching when you hear it. But as I was working through that, I just felt like the Lord was telling me that it's not a strong enough example. You see, as, as bad as count, the counterfeit process is, it's not nearly as severe as false teaching. As illegal as the counterfeit process is, it's not nearly as bad as false teaching. So I, I changed the illustration to the one of a deadly snake. You know, I don't know how you react to snakes, but I know, I know that for most people, since that moment in the Garden of Eden, when sin first entered the picture, most people don't like snakes. Most people, if they felt like a deadly snake was loose inside their home, there would be no sleep until that snake was found and something was done with that particular snake. And you know, when I hear a false teaching, or when I hear false teaching, it gives me the same reaction as if I were in a room with a deadly snake. It is serious, serious business. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but when I concluded the Second Thessalonians sermon series, it was the last time that I preached on Sunday morning about a month ago, Paul was dealing with the problem of false teachers in that church. False teachers had crept into that church and they were teaching and preaching to those people that the day of the Lord had come and that those people had missed it. And now, several books later in our Bible, we're in the book of Jude, and it is predominantly about false teaching. It's a problem. False teaching has been a problem for a long time, and it's still a problem today. Now, I don't know how it was for you as you were growing up, but as I was growing up, there was definitely false teaching, but it predominantly was in this form. If you've got a problem... If you've got a problem, if your marriage is falling apart, if you are sick, if you have lost your job, just send all your money and your problems will go away. That was a lot of the false teaching as I was growing up and for the first several years of my life. Now, don't, don't be confused. That type of false teaching does still exist today. But unfortunately, it's got to a much deeper level we have progressed throughout our nation, throughout the world, to the point where it is easier for many people to believe a lie than it is for them to believe the truth. Now this morning I'm going to be referring to the truth several times 
throughout the sermon. And when I do that, I am talking about a capital T truth, a big T truth. I am talking about the Word of God. Unfortunately, we have reached the point in our society today where it is easier for many people to believe a lie than it is for them to believe what the Bible says. And guess what? It gets worse as each generation passes. Many people will stand in pulpits across the world today and they will proclaim that there is absolutely nothing wrong with things that the Bible clearly identifies as sin. And guess what? People believe them. It's a problem. It is a big problem. And as I said earlier, when I hear preaching like that, it gives me the same reaction as if I thought a a dangerous snake, a deadly snake, were loose in my house. I wonder, what's it do to you this morning? When you hear a false teaching, do you think of something like, well, you know, I don't really have to be worried about that because I'm saved and I know where I'm going when I die? Or do you realize that people are being misled by that? And as a result of that, they are on their way straight to hell. So I wonder this morning, will we defend the faith? I'll tell you, it's it's a job that's not popular. It is a job that's not popular in today's society. It's a job that's not easy, but I want to challenge us today to put our spiritual armor on and leave it on and defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's get to the main idea of today's sermon. We're going to be looking at the entire book of Jude. As I said earlier, it's one chapter. Um, and it's one of those chapters, it's, it's easy to just Um, thumb on by because it is so short, but it's right before the book of Revelation. And we're going to see as we work our way through this text today that we must defend the faith against false teachers. If we're a Christian, that is one of the things we're called to do is to defend the faith against false teachers. We're going to see from reading through this text today that we are called as Christians to strengthen ourselves. And we're going to be talking exactly about how to do that. And then we see, finally, that we are to be merciful to those who are weak. So in the beginning verses, we see that Jude is identifying himself here. He says he's a servant of Jesus Christ and he's the brother of James. He is writing this letter to those who are called, beloved, in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And then he says, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation where you had your schedule made? You knew exactly what you needed to do. Maybe, maybe you're a supervisor in the corporate world. And it's come to your attention that although you've got your elaborate plans of what you're going to accomplish for the next week, a good number of your employees are making the exact same mistake. So are you going to proceed with your plans for the week or are you going to change your plans and do some additional training to take care of the errors that are being made? Brother Mark talked about school earlier, maybe since we're getting so close to the end of the year, maybe you're a teacher this morning. You've got your lessons plans finished for the end of the year, but it's come to your attention that even though you're supposed to be starting on new material, your, your students hadn't quite grasped what you've just covered, so you've got a decision to make. Will you press on 
with your plan or will you do some additional teaching so everybody understands? Many times we're faced with things that don't go perfectly and we have to change our plans. And I think that's exactly what we see happen to Jude here. In verse 3, Jude tells them that he was very eager to write to them about our common salvation. However, although he was eager to write to them about that, he finds it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And then he says why. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to realize, church, that this is exactly how many false teachers enter the picture today. They'll show up and they'll look good. They may dress like you're wanting. They may have the hairstyle that you're wanting. They may be in the physical condition that you expect to see. They will even preach some good sermons to start with most of the time. And they get you hooked. And then what happens is people start following a person instead of following Jesus. Now, Brother Blake and I have challenged you many times from this pulpit to take what you hear us preach and compare it to the Word of God to be certain that what we are preaching and teaching from this pulpit is actually true. You've got that responsibility as a Christian, as as someone who is affiliated with this church. You've got that responsibility when you hear us preach. But guess what? You have also got that exact same responsibility when you hear anyone preach. Compare it. Compare what they're preaching to the Word of God. Make certain that what they are preaching is actually the Word of God. Don't just take their word for it. Judas saying here in verse 4, he is charging these false teachers, these godless people with two sins. They are changing the grace of God into some type of license for immorality. Does that sound vaguely familiar to what's going on in our society today? They change the grace of God into some type of license for immorality. Church, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Being a Christian is not a license to sin. It is not a license to sin. Now, praise God for His grace. But being a Christian is not some type of license for sin, nor is it some type of license for immorality. And then, Jude is saying that these people deny Jesus Christ. They are denying Jesus Christ. And as we move into this next section of verses, we're going to see that Jude's going to describe these false teachers. Now, as we prepare to think about that, wouldn't you think that these people would have had some things fresh in their minds? Wouldn't you think that they would have remembered the example about Israel? Wouldn't you think that they would have remembered about the fallen angels and what happened to them? Wouldn't you have thought that they would have remembered 
about what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and to those surrounding places. Wouldn't you think? Wouldn't you think that we would? Wouldn't you think that people today that call themselves Christians would remember that also? You know, years ago, I heard someone tell me this following statement that I think I will remember the rest of my life. They tell me, he said, Todd, I'm going to tell you something. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. And it'll cost you so much more than you want to pay. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. And it will cost you so much more than you want to pay. Wouldn't you think that these people would have remembered that from these examples that I just referred to? Now, in verse 5, it's where he's talking about Israel. Jesus saved a people out of the land of Egypt, but afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And in verse 6 is where Jude is describing these angels who did, did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling. He is kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment day, until the judgment of the great day. And then verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality, and pursued unnatural desire. Serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Wouldn't it seem that they would remember these things? Well, you know what? Not long ago, I was having a conversation with someone about sin. About sin that exactly that is described in verse 7. And I, I said to this person, so what, what do you think about Sodom and Gomorrah? What, what do you think about Sodom and Gomorrah? And their response was, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. Just let that sink in for just a minute. We have got to the point in today's society where people are just willing to completely disregard portions of Scripture to try to justify their sin. But I want to remind you this morning, should you ever be in a conversation with someone specifically about Sodom and Gomorrah and their response to you is, that's in the Old Testament, take them to the book of Jude, which is clearly in the New Testament, where Sodom and Gomorrah is plainly identified. Plainly identified. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will take you to places that you do not want to go. In verse 8, we see Jude continue to describe these false teachers. He said they rely on their own dreams. Evidently, these people were claiming that they had had some type of dream, some type of revelation that gave them permission to override the Word of God. Now, just think about that. Think about that. Why would anybody fall for that? Let me tell you the answer. Sin. Sin. They think it's giving them permission to indulge in sin. Folks, let me tell you, God will never, ever 
tell you to do anything that contradicts His Word. He will not do it. So if you think that God has spoke to you and you think that He has told you to do something that contradicts His Word, let me tell you, you didn't hear from the Lord. You did not hear from the Lord. He will never tell us to do anything that contradicts His Word. And then it says that they reject authority. These people rejected authority and they they slandered celestial beings. Jude's giving an example of the archangel Michael here. And then he says they blaspheme the holy ones. And then these false teachers. I want to call your attention to verse 10, the, the, the last part of verse 10. They blaspheme all that they do not understand and they are destroyed by all that they like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Now many of you know that I have a dog and I love her. Her name's Jane and I think she's smart. I absolutely love her. But can I just tell you this morning, no matter how smart that I think she is, she does not have the mental capacity to reason like a human. She doesn't. But on the other hand, there are some things that she just knows by instinct. She just knows by instinct. Judah is saying here that these people are destroyed by all that they like unreasoning animals. Like those animals understand instinctively. How sad of a situation is that? How sad of a situation is that? In verse 11, we see that Jude is listing three sins that these false teachers had committed. First of all, they walked in the way of Cain. And I'll tell you, we don't know exactly what Jude is referring to here. Maybe he's just saying that these people were disobedient. Maybe he's saying they were unbelieving. Maybe they were eaten up by the envy of others. Maybe they had a murderous spirit for some reason. And then he talks about abandoning themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. Do you remember what happened there? Balaam hired someone. He hired someone to put a curse on the Israelites. They did it for money. They did it for money. Balaam did it for money. So Jude is warning people about opposing God for money. And then the part about perishing in Korah's rebellion. That goes back to Numbers chapter 16, where Korah actually rebelled against the leadership of Moses and Aaron, refusing to acknowledge that they had been placed by God in positions of authority over the Hebrews. I believe through this particular verse, Jude has given us an example of what eventually is going to to happen to these false teachers. Now, I want you to keep in mind, these particular false teachers that we are talking about right now, not only are they false teachers, but they have somehow managed to be placed into the position of being shepherds at a church. So you have got a false teacher who is teaching stuff that is not supported by the Bible. And by the way, 
They're a pastor of a church also. That's dangerous. Folks, I'm going to tell you, these shepherds, so-called shepherds, they were not following the good shepherd. They were not following the good shepherd. Again, I want to challenge you. Take what you hear preached. Compare it to the Word of God. Jude mentions, mentions some things here. He refers to these are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. These so-called shepherds, they were just about to bring a shipwreck on the church. And the people saw nothing wrong with what they were doing. They were following a person instead of following Jesus. But isn't that just how sin works? You know, typically when we make the decision to participate in sin, at the very beginning, sometimes, you know, you have that feeling, you know, I really shouldn't be doing this. But then the more and more that you do it, the easier and easier that it becomes. And then if we're not really careful we will find ourselves in the position of trying to defend sin. I want you to hear me loud and clear this, this morning, church. I am saying this in love as one of your pastors this morning. As Christians, we have not been called to defend sin. We have been called to defend the truth. We have been called to defend the gospel. We have not been called to defend sin. And then we see Jude wrap up his description of these false teachers in verses 14 through 16. We see here that these people were self-serving. They were self-serving, godless people. And we don't have a lot of time to go into these three verses in detail this morning. But I want to remind you that when Jesus comes back, these people are going to be judged. They will be judged for the false teaching that they have participated in. Their day is coming. And in verse 16, he says, these are grumblers. They are malcontents. Maybe you're... you're um, on copy of your Bible, it might say fault finders there. They follow their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Beware of people like this. Their day is coming. Now beginning in verse 17, we're going to see, Jude's going to tell us how, what our defense should be against these false teachers. Verse 17 starts by telling us, We must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go to Acts for just a minute, verse, uh, chapter 20, verses 29 and 30. We read there, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. These false teachers here in this passage, they are described as fierce wolves. In church, we have got to realize that's exactly what they are. They will not spare the flock. They are out for their own gain. We've got to remember these are people that we've got to recognize for what they are. Back to today's text. Jude's reminding us here in the last times there's going to be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It's these who cause divisions, 
worldly people devoid of the Spirit. And you know, as we read about how Jude is going to tell us to defend against false teachers, I want to tell you, I I realize right now, listening to me in this sanctuary, right at this very time, there are many mature Christians who take reading the Word of God and your quiet time seriously every day. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. If you are not currently observing a time each and every day where it's just you and the Lord, you are reading and studying His Word, I want to challenge you to do that. Because one of the ways that we don't fall for false teaching is that we know what God's Word says. That's one of the ways we detect false teaching, but we've got to know what His Word says. You know, it can't, we just can't believe everything that sounds good. There's a lot of things that people might tell me that sound good that are not in the Bible. We've got to know what God's Word says. And maybe this morning you're, you're sitting here thinking, well, you know, I, I don't spend nearly enough time in the Word like I should. But if I should hear something that I think might be false teaching, I could always just go get my Bible and check. Well, if you're thinking a thought like this this morning, I I just want to ask you a question. Are you sure that you'll be able to? Because I'm not. I'm not. I don't know how many of you have been keeping up with what's going on in Great Britain and in Australia right now. But there's a lot going on right now in Great Britain and Australia that stems around this question. Listen carefully. Will Christian prayer and preaching and parental conversations be declared illegal? Listen to that one more time. Will Christian prayer and preaching and parental conversations be declared illegal? That's what they're dealing with in Great Britain, in Australia, right now. Don't think it's far away from us. Don't think it will never happen here. If your Bible's taken away from you, how will you know what the Word of God says? Unless we spend time studying it now. Are you prepared to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you defend it? So how exactly do we defend ourselves against something like this? Jude tells us in verse 20, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. So what exactly does that mean? You know, it means as as Christians, we are to grow spiritually. Yes, it's true. Jesus will meet you wherever you are. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want you to know Jesus will meet you wherever you are. But don't expect Him to leave you there. It's not His desire that you stay there. Think of it like this. If you were bringing a new infant baby home from the hospital Today, would we expect that that child would never grow? No, we wouldn't expect that. In fact, there would be something wrong if that child never grew. There's something wrong 
when a new creation in Christ doesn't grow. So we have got to be willing to spend time daily in God's Word. And maybe you're thinking, I am so busy. I know our schedules are busy. But let me just say this again in love as one of your pastors this morning. If you're having to make a decision about participating in some type of activity that keeps you from spending time with the Lord, it's a problem. Schedules need to be reworked. We've got to spend that time growing in our relationship with Jesus. And then it says praying in the Holy Spirit. What's this mean exactly? What does that mean exactly? It's talking about praying under the direction and the influence of the Holy Spirit and trusting Him to intercede for us with groans that words cannot express. And then it says to keep yourself in the love of God. To keep yourself in the love of God. I want to tell you, this does not mean, it does not mean that salvation is based upon our own effort. It does not mean that at all. What it does mean is that we must live our lives in faith and obedience to God. In John's writings, we're told that if we love God, we will keep His commandments. So when we look at this text, we've got to realize that to keep ourselves in the love of God, we've got, we must obey God's Word. And then finally, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Folks, Jesus is coming back. It could be any time. I wonder, are you ready right this second to stand face to face before Jesus Christ? I pray that the answer is yes, but let me tell you one thing that I do know. If your answer is no, I'm not quite ready yet, you are not ready to defend the gospel. If you are not ready for Jesus to come back right this very moment, you're not ready to defend the gospel. I wonder, how does that look in your life today? In verses 22 and 23, Jude identifies three groups of people in these two verses. First of all, he tells us to have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who who doubt. We've got to realize that less mature Christians, they are going to doubt their salvation from time to time. And that's one of the reasons that it is so important for mature Christians to walk alongside Christians that are not mature yet. To show them what it looks like to truly live a life that honors Jesus Christ in the good times and in the times that are not so good. We need people that are willing to walk along people and show them what that relationship really looks like. And then it says to save others by snatching them out of the fire. Now who it's talking about, the group of people that it's talking about right here are people that are not Christians. They're people that are not Christians. But if we witness to them, if we tell them about Jesus, if we explain the process about how one accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, these are people who can make the decision to follow Jesus and by doing so, they will be snatched out of the fire of hell. They will not go to hell. And then finally, two others. 
This next others. Show mercy with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And I want you to know this group of people are the people that are involved in bad stuff. Dangerous stuff. We're to have mercy on these people, but we're to do it carefully. Because we've got to realize that these people have the capability of pulling us off course. Be careful with these people, but show mercy. And then as, as Jude's writing comes to a close, it's the two verses that I shared with you earlier near the ending of the worship section this morning. In my Bible, it says the benediction. It might say that in yours. It might be identified as the doxology. But I think these are two beautiful, beautiful verses of Scripture. And you know, as I prepare to read these two verses of Scripture with you, one of the desires that I always have as I preach is to leave you with hope. I want you to hear this morning, we have hope. No matter how much we might have messed up to this point, the very fact that Jesus loved us so much that he died on the cross for us, and he was buried and he rose again three days later, the reason that he was willing to die for our sin, it gives us hope. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I want to realize there is hope in Christ through him. That hope is in and through Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, I'm not as serious as I should have been. Yeah, I've made that decision to follow Christ, but I really hadn't done a lot of following. I want to tell you this morning, there is hope. Today's a new day. You can make the decision today to live the rest of your life for Jesus, for His honor and for His glory now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? I wonder this morning, do you realize that we must defend the faith against false teachers? I wonder this morning, do you realize that as Christians, we've got to strengthen ourselves? Do we realize that we're called to be merciful to those who are weak? Again, I want to leave you with hope. The hope of the gospel this morning. Maybe as you read those three things, as you see those three things on the screen right now, maybe you realize that you're not where you need to be in one or more of those. There's hope today. Jesus is here. You can come kneel at the foot of the cross. You can do business with Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus at all. You have never made a decision to follow Him as your Savior. Please do not leave this place today without making that decision. Life's uncertain. It could end at any time. There's a young man at the funeral home whose visitation will be this afternoon in his 20s that is loved by our family. We weren't expecting his life to end like it did. Life ends for somebody each and every day. 
And most time we don't see it coming. Are you ready to stand before Jesus Christ today? Whatever your need is this morning, I pray that you will come. I pray, I pray that you will come. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for just the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for loving me, a sinner. In those times that I'm not lovable, thank you for loving me. Father, I pray that we will realize today that we have a responsibility to defend our faith, to defend the gospel against false teachers. Father, I pray that we will take the process of strengthening ourselves seriously. Father, I pray that we will each commit to have a time alone with you each and every day. And Father, I pray that that will be the most important appointment of our day. Father, I pray that we will be intentional about that and I pray that we will not allow anything to interfere with that time alone with you. And Father, I pray that we will be merciful to people. I pray that we will be merciful to those that are weak. Lord, but in that process, I pray that we will never compromise the gospel. I pray that we will hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ until the day that you call us home. Father, I pray especially for people in this place right now or possibly on the live stream that know that they don't have a relationship with you. Father, I pray that this will be the day of salvation. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.